Welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and Managing Partner of Cordell and Cordell. And we continue to bring you, as always in this podcast, twice every week information for guys before, during, and after divorce and everything you can think of in regards to family law. I'm going to bring it to you in this very brief podcast where we just highlight some spot issues with the Cordell and Cordell attorney from around the country. And today is no different. We're joined by Nick over in Georgia. Welcome. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for joining. And as always, keep in mind, not attorney-client relationship, not legal advice, too many facts and circumstances in every case that matter. And so we're just here to give you some uh, important tips, education, and some questions you may want to ask your attorney. And uh, speaking of that, if you want a consultation, you can go to cordellcordell.com or you can give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW. Schedule a consultation in any one of the offices around the country, including the United Kingdom. All right, let's talk about alimony or spousal support. And, you know, and as always around the country, as we talk about uh, issues that affect guys, it's very different around the country and guys listening, maybe the laws may be slightly different. The standards may be slightly different, but for the most part, strategy tends to kind of be consistent in some of the things that we suggest guys do. And particularly when it comes to financial affidavits, I, I often talk about that. And that's one of the 10 stupidest mistakes guys make when facing divorce is really not uh, finding the importance of the financial affidavit and especially as it relates to alimony. So we throw around that word alimony a lot. Um, so spousal support, maybe just tell them what is it, you know, in Georgia, particularly where you are, we can kind of go through the generalities of alimony. Yeah, sure. Uh, so alimony essentially is the payment by one spouse to another spouse uh, when they're no longer cohabitating and it can occur both during a divorce proceeding and afterwards. Um, and so it's based on, in Georgia at least, the way the statute reads is that it's based on one spouse's need, who's the one that would be uh, receiving the alimony, that spouse's need versus the other spouse's ability to pay. Um, the courts then are, are guided with some factors in the Georgia statute that they're supposed to look at, but it's really, there, there's a trick to it because there's not a calculation method uh, as a child support. There's a worksheet, at least in Georgia, that you plug in incomes and so forth, and it produces a number for you. In Georgia, alimony is just completely discretionary. And so the factors are suggestive. They're not necessarily mandatory. And then it doesn't really give guidance as to what you do with those factors. Yeah. So factors may include you know, the duration of the marriage, uh, if there's a history of dependence financially by the spouse that's requesting alimony upon the other, a discrepancy in income, whether there are other, you know, like a separate estate somewhere that, that the asking uh, spouse may have access to those kind of things. Yeah, it is so true, especially here in Missouri, just like Georgia, there's no calculation, there's no formula. You know, you county to county, judge to judge variability. And I've said this, that I could have the same facts in 10 cases and present them to 10 different judges and get 10 different results. Because there is so much subjectivity, at least here in Missouri, in the court system, you see you know, the statute does outline some factors to consider, uh, but it's unlike, I think, in Kansas, there's a 120 or 121 month maximum or something like that. I think in Texas, there may be some guidance that they can't exceed uh, a certain percentage of the gross income, you know, times the number of years married. I mean, that's always been, for guys, 
the biggest complaint, and I've had clients where they've been paying longer than they've been married. You know, they were married for seven or eight years and they've been paying for 10. It just seems, you know, with this lack of true direction and formula like we have in child support, it becomes problematic. And so that really becomes the point today. And what do guys do? What defenses do they have? What can they position themselves to try to minimize this exposure? Right. And it's very similar in Georgia. There's no cap. So you're kind of wide open. And then it's more of a totality of the circumstances type of inquiry. So you've got to be prepared on kind of all facets of the case to successfully defend against an alimony claim. And when I say successfully defend, sometimes that means maybe getting a denial of alimony. But a lot of times what it means is trying to minimize the amount of alimony that is awarded against your client. There's really only two complete bars to how many claims in Georgia. Uh, one is if one of the spouses uh, deserted the marriage for, and it has to be for 12 months or longer, and you have to prove that they deserted, basically abandoned their marital duties, probably moved out of the, the residence and so forth. And there's been none of that kind of dependence for at least 12 months. And then the other one is uh, if, if the requesting spouse has committed adultery, which is the actual cause of the divorce, those can be bars to relief. But other than that, there's really no, you know, bright lines. And so I've kind of developed a a strategy of approaching this in three different ways. Um, One is you've got to still tell the story. You need to to personalize your case so that the judge doesn't look at you as just another case, just another number and does it really give uh, true uh, consideration to that particular set of circumstances and who it may be affecting. So that's in conduct, developing your story is, is our number one, um, not necessarily in any particular order, but one of the main things you wanna develop. Two is you wanna keep in mind the circumstances today may not be the circumstances tomorrow. So when we're talking about minimizing perhaps the duration of alimony, oftentimes with older clients that are you know, getting close to retirement age, we definitely want to keep that in mind. Are there social security benefits out there? Are there pensions? Are there other retirement such that if the quarter is going to divide those assets or if there's an expectation of social security or perhaps inheritance, if there's a, an estate out there from a close family member um, from the requesting spouse, uh, are there things that you can really try to minimize uh, a reasonable duration of alimony? And then the last thing really goes to what, uh, Scott, you mentioned at the beginning, which is the financial affidavit. It's really trying to win the financial discussion in court. And to do that, it is absolutely paramount that you develop your financial affidavit. And as your attorney, really understanding the ins and outs on both sides of the finances so that when you get to trial, you're able to kind of dominate that conversation. And by dominate, I mean the judge is listening to you more so than anybody else because you know what's what's going on better than anybody else. And if you can grab the ear of the judge in that way, I've, I've found that your outcome oftentimes is either exactly what you're asking for or very similar to what you're asking for in court. Yeah, you know, you mentioned early on that uh, that misconduct or adultery can be a bar. And in my limited practice, when I was in Georgia many, many years ago, I remember that as being standing out to me that is not available here in Missouri or in Illinois. Uh, it's a, it's a, actually, it's a really good defense to push on if you can tag it to as the cause of the breakdown of the marriage. And oftentimes that's difficult 
as they'll you know, counter with, well, that was just you know, later on, the marriage was already broken by the time that event occurred. But it's really something that guys should have that conversation with their attorney to explore because it can be an outright bar uh, to the request for alimony. I think it's so unique. But at the end of the day, what we've been talking about, you really mentioned this affidavit, and I'm a, I'm a firm believer that cases particularly involving alimony can be won or lost with the affidavit. And uh, I, you know, I always tell the story when we do these seminars in person and we go around the country, we were just in Denver, Colorado doing one and I was in Jackson, Mississippi doing our 10 stupidest mistakes. And we talk about how this case I had in, in Georgia, uh, we won it on the affidavit. And you could tell the judge disconnected after we cross-examined her for a couple hours on her affidavit to show that, that really she didn't know what what her expenses were, or she were you know or, or was lying, and uh, that to me is so important. I think a lot of attorneys, I'm curious your experience, overlook the importance of that financial affidavit. Absolutely, it happens all the time. It's kind of baffling, and you hear attorneys sometimes say, "Oh, they went to law school, so they wouldn't have to deal with numbers." Well. If you're a divorce attorney doing alimony cases, you better be comfortable with numbers or you're not going to have very good outcomes because you're really um, ushering in perhaps the largest financial transaction uh, of your client's life. I mean, it's going to touch on all of your assets. It's going to touch on your future income stream. So um, if you're not prepared to, to handle those numbers, then you're not going to do it very well. What we do is from day one, when you retain, you're given the financial affidavit, you're asked to go ahead and start filling it out to the best of your ability. And then of course we offer uh, our assistance in doing that. And then oftentimes we go through perhaps several rounds of revisions, uh, especially in cases where you may feel like there's a higher target for an alimony award. Uh, because Scott, what you said is exactly right. If you get into court and your financial affidavit is is you know set in stone and it cannot be uh, undermined and then you're able to go and say the other attorney and as you said this happens all the time uh, the other attorney kind of slaps it together or even worse the the client does it the attorney doesn't even bother to check the accuracy and then you end up in court in a situation where you've got a sworn statement under oath that is wrong all over the place. And it just kills the credibility of the other side. I had a temporary hearing um, a couple months ago where alimony was a big question. And I was able to pick apart, I mean, and just kind of common mistakes, but ones that made a huge difference on, for instance, how much take-home pay uh, the other party had. Uh, because of those mistakes, it appeared that that person was just really concealing how much money they were taking home. And I 100% believe that that caused uh, the, the court to actually deny alimony on a temporary basis, uh, at least in part, uh, that was a reason. So absolutely important. We do it from the beginning. We revise it till it's right. And then by the time you get to court, you're comfortable with it. You've been dealing with it. And then it also helps, I think, uh, when clients testify that they're better prepared to know exactly what they've sworn to. Yeah, I mean, I can say, you know, you mentioned sometimes you'll see an affidavit that's prepared by just the client and it's obviously hasn't been reviewed. If it has, it's terrible. You know, there's mistakes, arithmetic problems, too high of expense, you know, estimates, whatever it may be, they're replete with problems and errors. And that's an opportunity. 
for us when representing guys to go after the credibility you know of the spouse but you know i've always said guys don't have that that chance you know you can't make a mistake on your affidavit and survive in court and you know being a good a, a guy because you get one chance and that one chance is present something that's really on point that you're fully as you suggest aware and familiar with you know how the uh, amounts were calculated uh, and it's accurate. You know, there are common mistakes. We talk about a lot of them in our seminars. We have a virtual town hall coming up uh, on five things guys should consider. I mean, these are the things that you have to really think about when you're going through it. And, and yeah, we, we all rely on your attorney, but that's the importance of finding an attorney who practices exclusively in family law and has the experience. And as you suggest, is not afraid of the numbers. I mean, that's a deal killer. If, if they say that, then I'd run and find another lawyer. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you want the judge, as you suggested in my case that I had tried in Georgia, the judge was so in tune and listening to what the evidence I was presenting and cross-examining and showing the lack of credibility that I described this at the end of my case, I rested, the other side got up, judge picked up a newspaper and started reading it. They were done. They didn't want to hear uh, the other side. And I mean, that's the point. You, they, you want the judge to hear you and then tune out for the rest of the that's case. Right. So, you know, I, I have to think that, you know, your experience is, is that, that for me, you have to spend an enormous amount of time uh, preparing that affidavit. I call it the tax return. We spend more time on our tax return and the likelihood of getting audited is so far much lower than the likelihood of getting cross-examined in court on a financial affidavit that we spent far less time on. We just put too much importance on something that had been ingrained in our brain that we should spend a lot of time on. Not to say spend less time on your tax return. The point is spend more time on your financial affidavit. It's huge, it's so important. That's right, that's right. Um, and the other thing that uh, definitely helps in doing that is you wanna coordinate the documents. So. Of course, oftentimes in, in divorce and in bigger cases, especially, you're going to go through extensive discovery where you're going to have statements of accounts and debts and retirement, et cetera. And so you want to make sure that those most current statements are going to match up with the financial affidavit. And that's another kind of common approach to undermining uh, perhaps the other side as well, is if those things don't match up, then where do these, you know, they plug or pick the numbers from? I, I see some at times that are just estimates. They're just kind of random guesses almost. And when that happens, the same thing that you just described happens, the, the judge tunes out. The judge doesn't want to hear, you know, speculation or, or guesses. The judge wants to get the facts right so that he can make or she can make the right ruling. And so if you're able to present that in a way that's effective and accurate, then the judge is going to listen to you and, and hopefully not to the other side which means that in all likelihood, he's going to rule in your favor. I think the last point that I would just make, uh, as far as expectations are concerned uh, for clients, if you are expecting a divorce or you're about to get into a divorce and looking to hire an attorney, you do want to have reasonable expectations. Not every single case is a bar to alimony. I know a lot of, a lot of clients don't want to pay alimony, and that's certainly uh, well understood, but a lot of times the likelihood is that you do have some exposure there. And rather than um, 
maybe going into court and requesting something that's not really realistic, at which point the judge is probably going to tune you out, coming up with a, a, a position that's completely reasonable but absolutely minimizes to the extent possible what your exposure might be. And also, if you set your expectations realistically and you do better, well, then that's, that's easy to cope with rather than going in with really high expectations that are unrealistic and then not getting it and, and having disappointment. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, we always t- talk about best case scenario, worst case scenario, likelihood, where's the evidence taking us in that range. And so the client is, again, having reasonable expectations and understanding what, you know, the outcome could be. Uh, it'll lead to good conclusions. Uh, you know, there are no winners in divorce. It's degrees of losing because you walk out with less than what you started with, no doubt. And so it's really about managing your loss and trying to minimize it. No, yeah, you can have victories, no doubt. You can get custody, but truly it's it's far less than what you had because you won't get every day and every hour you know, in custody. Uh, there are instances when you may be paying child support, alimony. It is what it is. So, um, But it's all about the preparation, finding counsel, uh, as you suggest, who has the experience to handle it. So it's really good, good topic, good stuff. Thanks for joining and uh, filling guys in on this really, really important topic and how to prepare. I appreciate it. So continue to tune in uh, twice every week, drop a new topic. If you haven't uh, subscribed to the podcast, do it now. You'll get alerted every time a new one's dropped twice every week. And then check out our YouTube channel. It's full of information just like this, including our virtual town halls that we have every month. And you can join. It's free uh, to register. You just got to go online. Uh, no strings attached. Just log on, listen to the Cordell and Cordell panel of attorneys, and you can ask questions live, just like this on, on Zoom, or if you're listening, and you can get answers right then and right there. But you got to go to CordellCordell.com. You can always schedule a consultation by going there as well, and follow us on social media for more information as we continue to bring you topics every week and every month. So until next time, have a great week.